Well, good morning, Crossroads. My name is Dustin. Who's excited to be together this morning? That's right. I am the Mishawaka campus pastor, and it's just so great to be here as we kick off a new series. And really, I just we want to, from the beginning of this, recognize that we want to be relentless on the mission we feel like God has given us to. Uh, this mission of connecting people with God and inviting outsiders to a changed life. That is what we are about. And about a year ago, we kicked off something called All In. And we just asked the question, what if all of us were all in to the mission that God has given us here at Crossroads? And so as we kick this series off, we're so excited just to dive back into what that means for us, what it means for us to be relentless. Uh, Before we get going though today, I want to just give a couple of shout outs because it is a beautiful thing that we are one church in multiple locations. And so first, I want to give it to you guys right here in front of me. Let's go up to the Goshen campus. Let's right, give it up for yourselves. That's right. It is so good that you are here. But hey, we also, we have people in Nashville that come and connect with us every week. Can we get up for our friends in Nashville? Let's give it up for them. Nashville, Crossbridge, we see you. We love you. We're so glad you're with us today. And then our friends down in St. Pete, Florida, give it up for them. That's right. We're so glad that you are here, St. Pete, with us. And then, of course, the best campus. Let's just give it up for the Mishawaka campus, right? Mishawaka, we love you. I'm so glad that you are there today. We're excited just to dive into this together. And truthfully, as I think about the idea of relentless, I'll be honest, because the word relentless doesn't have positive connotations for me all the time. And I think part of that is something that happened to me just about three years ago. We can go ahead and call it a trauma, if you will, uh, because I was at home and something terrible happened. Uh, Just me and my son, we were hanging out in my basement and I heard a knock on the door that I didn't expect. Anyone else have this kind of trauma in your house? Okay, you know what I'm talking about. And so I like crawled to the floor and I looked out the peephole, right? And I was just hoping it wasn't, you know, someone trying to sell me something. I was like, whatever, you know? And so I look out the door and there is uh, just a young man. We're going to call him Chad, all right? And you'll understand why later. Uh, We're going to call him Chad. And uh, behind him were two very professional looking people standing just right behind him. And so I opened the door and I was like, hello, can I help you? Uh, A very professional lady spoke up. She said, hey, we've been to all your neighbor's houses. uh, And uh, we, uh, my friend Chad here, and I looked at him, he's got this sad puppy dog eyes. He's like one tear is flowing from his cheek. And I was like, all right. It's like, my friend Chad has one more house to meet his quota uh, of just, he needs a quick, he kept saying the word quick and fast, and it'll be done in a minute, a presentation. And I was like, all right, sure. And as soon as I said, sure, I regretted it immediately. (laughs) All right. I was trying to help my friend Chad out. and And I said, sure. They like ran to the van and they got a giant box. And I was like, that doesn't look quick. And they came to the front door, and Chad just kind of slowly entered my house. And I was like, am I being burgled right now? Like, they're coming into my house. There's a small guy in the box. He's going to jump out. I've seen the movies. (laughs) All right, so as I'm looking at Chad, he's taking his shoes off. And I was like, Chad, listen, I don't know. You don't need to take your shoes off for a quick presentation. And as I'm just trying to figure out what's happening with Chad, I look up, and the two friends, they're sprinting to their van, and they squeal out of my driveway. And they're gone. And so I was like, maybe I'm kidnapping Chad. Maybe that's what's happening. (laughs) What's happening? And uh, Davis was downstairs. He's like, what's going on, Daddy? I was like, Davis, meet your new brother. We just adopted Chad. (laughs) He's uh, going to live with us now. So it's just what's going to happen. 
And so Chad takes this big box, he goes to the middle of my living room, and he is a vacuum salesman. All right, so he's, there's a lot of groan, an audible groan. Maybe you've met Chad, I don't know. Um, <laughs> And so he, he takes this box and he starts looking around the house. He's asking for a tour. And I was like, listen, bro, your shoes are off, but you're going to stay in my living room. All right. And I even told him from the start, I said, there is not a chance you're going to sell this vacuum to me. I'm going to be honest up front. So he does his spiel. He talks about how great this vacuum is, talks about how much horsepower it has. Right. And he is on the floor. He's opening his box, bringing all this stuff. He is proving to me how dirty my floor is. And I was like, I know, Chad. Okay. I have a wife. I know how dirty my carpet is. And so Chad, he starts unboxing all of his stuff, and I see this look of horror come across his face because he's realized he's forgotten an integral piece in his demonstration. And then he looks at his pockets, and he realized that his phone is in the van. And he says, hey, sir, can I borrow your phone? I was like, seriously, now you are my son, all right? Uh, And so uh, he's on the phone with his bosses, and he's explaining to them why he isn't selling it. They think he sold it. He says he needs the part. He says, look, no, he says he's poor. He has dirty floors. And I was like, I'm right here, Chad. It's like, that is no way to talk to your father. So this whole thing went on. He was there for 45 minutes trying to sell me this dumb vacuum. And as he left, he said, you know, sir, most people that let me into their house buy a vacuum from me. I was like, I understand that because you're creepy and you're weird and you won't stop. All right? So I think when I hear the word relentless, I think about my friend Chad. And most of the time, I'll be honest, 90% of me was like offended and I was a little upset by him, them kind of being very presumptuous. But there is at least 10% of me that was somewhat impressed with Chad. He was a young guy. He's trying to learn what it is to be a door-to-door salesman, why he chose that trade. I don't know. Uh, But he's trying to figure it out and he wouldn't quit. He wouldn't take no for an answer and he kept pushing. And I'll be honest, just as we dive into this relentless series, we don't want to be door-to-door vacuum salesmen. But we do want to be relentless in our pursuit of what God is calling us to be. And I think uh, one thing I want us, uh, one truth I want to pause on before we really dive in today is this, that we believe that there is a God who loves you more than you could know, and that he is relentlessly pursuing you. And if you hadn't heard that yet today, let me be the one to tell you that God is pursuing you. And as he pursues us, God in his very nature is love. That's who he is. He can't not be love. And love in its nature must be chosen. It can't be forced. It can't be manipulated. It can't be coerced. It can't be sold door to door. Love must be chosen. And so God in his hugeness limits himself so that we can choose him because that's what love does. And so as God is pursuing you, you get to choose how to respond. You have the choice, because love must be chosen, how to respond to a God who is relentlessly pursuing you. And many of us, we choose to just run the other direction. It's scary. It's weird. You're not sure how it even makes sense that there's a God you can't see who's chasing you. And so you just keep running. And maybe there's some of you who've been running your whole life. And you find your way here at Crossroads because someone invited you and you're not sure why you're here. You have a choice. Other people, you know, just kind of ignore it. They pretend or they believe God's not there. They don't even want to believe in God. They ridicule people who do as being people with like backwards thinking and they just would rather pretend or ignore or think or believe that God isn't chasing after them at all. Maybe that's you. We're glad you're here. 
And still some others are hiding from God because they're so afraid they've been conditioned their whole life to believe that God is disappointed in them. And they've done some things and they, they've been places and they're like, listen, if people in church knew who I was, they wouldn't want me around. The, the building would fall on top of them. Maybe that's you. We understand that. God's chasing you still. And you can't hide from a God who is relentlessly pursuing you. And still others, kind of, this is probably the most dangerous one, kind of just jump halfway in, and they might come sometimes on Sundays, and they like a couple of songs. You know, they got some worship songs they include in their playlist, and they've read some scriptures in the Bible. They're familiar about it. They can defend some Christian-y type things on Facebook when they see some, some arguments going on. But really, they're only half in. They're only a little bit in because most of their life, they're living life on their own terms, and they kind of step in halfway, and that's you. Listen, we understand. That's how it goes sometimes. But at Crossroads, what we've decided, and what we hope you decide, and what I've decided is we've decided to go all in. As Jesus pursues us, we want to be known as people who relentlessly lean into him, pursue him, not just him for who he is, but the type of life that he offers us to live. We've decided to go all in. And here's the beauty of that decision. At Crossroads, as we started this initiative about a year ago, uh, we, we challenge you to be all investing, to will, be willing to live a life of generosity, invest in what God is doing through Crossroads and what God is doing through you. And you've done that. Crossroads, give yourself a round of applause for going all in and living generously. We've also challenged you to, to, to go all in and be inviting, all inviting. And you guys have invited people to come out to events and services. And we're a church who's growing at all of our locations because you are inviting people. What an amazing thing that we've decided to go all in. And also, we're all involved, all involved in serving. And we've had people join teams, and, and there's new faces serving and being a part of what's going on here on Sunday mornings. And how great is it that some of you have gotten off the sidelines and are serving? We've decided to go all in. And if you're sitting on the sidelines, we just invite you as we start today. Today could be a chance for you to decide. And you know, it would be easy for us to kind of say, look, we've made it. We've done all these great things. But when you're relentless, you don't stop. You keep pushing forward. And I don't know if you heard it, but Pastor Tim has been talking about a vision of a thousand baptisms by 2025. That's a lot of changed lives. And in order for this to become accomplished, in order for us to accomplish it, we got to keep pushing at all of our campuses, all of our locations, because we believe God is working through us here at Crossroads. And here's the beauty of this, and as we just dive into this idea, uh, we look at a place in Scripture, a point in time where a group of Jesus' followers, his disciples, uh, had seen him. They'd been with him in their life. They had seen him been crucified, and then they saw him get resurrected again. And then Jesus was with them for several days, and they were about ready to begin something new. And they had all decided, hey, we're going to, in order for this to happen, we have to be relentless. We have to go all in. And so we're going to look to, chat, to Acts today. It's the beginning of that story as God's people are, are looking to go all in. And there's this, just a short sample of time we have recorded of Jesus after he was risen from the grave, before he went to heaven. And we don't have a ton of what he said, but the scripture we're looking at today in Acts 1 as some of the things Jesus said to his followers. So I think it's really important for us to lean into what he says to people who decided to be relentless and go all in. And I'm going to start by just point, pulling out one scripture, and then we'll go back uh, and look deeper for some context. But here in Acts 1-8, this is the words of Jesus to his disciples. He says this, but you, 
will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. So this is one of the last things Jesus says before he's taken up to heaven. That's a very important concept he wants them to understand. I think it's important just before we dive into the rest of what he said to understand exactly. So we're going to break this down. The first thing he says is, we receive power. That word power there is one I think we often misunderstand. Jesus talked about it a lot. So many people throughout culture and history have abused power. And Jesus looked at his disciples when he was alive and he said, listen, we don't use power the same way the world does to manipulate and coerce and force people down. He said, my followers use powers to to love and to sacrifice and to serve and to build people up. That's how we use power. And Jesus is saying, there is a power that wants to live inside you. The other word I want to look at is the word receive. There are a couple implications there. The word receive is, one, it's this idea that it's something that isn't in you before he puts it there. That there is a power you need to live a victorious life that you don't have in and of yourself. You are powerless to bring it up by doing good things all the time. You are powerless to do it up by saying the right stuff, going through the motions. The power only comes from the living spirit of Jesus that wants to live inside you. The second implication of this is that it's something we receive. It's a gift that is freely given, not a reward for working hard, right? It's not something from putting your your time clock in and checking in. It's something that we receive. So we receive power, and you don't have it before. And it's not just like a little power, like some extra motivation, but it's power from God of the universe that wants to live inside you. So that's the the, the idea we're going to lean into today. That's found right there in Acts chapter 1. We're going to look at where that comes from, the context of where Jesus says, and understand, we're going to understand what does it mean for you and for me as we choose to live relentless lives pursuing Jesus, what does it look for us to have power? So right here in Acts chapter 1, verse 6, he says this. So when the apostles were with Jesus, they kept asking him, Lord, has the time come for you to free Israel and restore our kingdom? He replied, the Father alone has the authority to set those dates and times, and they are not for you to know. This is where he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. Now, I'm going to pick on the disciples here a little bit, and it's probably not fair. Because they were conditioned and they were raised their whole life to anticipate a figure called the Messiah. The Messiah was someone who would come and bring them freedom. And in their mind, what that meant was political freedom. Because the Roman Empire had a boot on their necks for generations. And they were waiting, God, please save us from our oppressor. And so God's people were like, Jesus, their disciples were looking around like, Jesus, is it finally time? We've seen you live. We've seen you die. We've seen you live again. Now are you going to finally do for us what we've been asking, what we've been expecting you to do? So we understand where they're coming from. But I think it also highlights something about what it means to be human. How easy it is to focus on the selfish things in front of us and miss out on what God is doing. What God is doing is so much far greater than the Roman Empire, so much far greater than their political struggle. What God is doing changes everything you've ever heard about for all time. And Jesus is inviting them to be an integral part of it. And they're like, well, yeah, but Jesus, can you give us what, what we want? 
And here's the deal. What they're doing is not sinful. It's just part of what it means to be human. It's easy for us to just become selfish and think about selfish things. But the truth is the roots of our selfishness go deep. And if they aren't checked, they always turn to sin. And eventually, if we don't check our selfishness, then then the sin, it takes roots. And the roots of our selfishness are deep. It doesn't take long for us to look at God and say, God, who are you to tell me how to live? Don't you want me to be happy? God, I think it would be better. I know what you said, but maybe it doesn't really apply to me because it feels good in the moment. And we start down the slippery road and sin always takes you to places you don't want to go. And it has the same effect on everybody. It rots you to your core and it's killing you. And the reality is many of us are living in sin and we don't know how to deal with it. And it just keeps happening over and over again. And we become people who would never expect it. We never wanted to, but now we lie and we misrepresent ourselves and we cheat and we watch things we shouldn't and we do things we shouldn't and we take things farther than we should. And we live in guilty, shamed experience of God and we think God's after us and we let sin fester and it's killing you. But here's the beauty. We have power in our life to overcome our selfishness, to overcome our sin. I want to read a scripture written by a guy named Paul found in the book of Romans. It says this, the Spirit of God, pay attention, the Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by this same Spirit living within you. I'm going to pause there for just a second. I don't know if you heard that, but the same exact spirit that has the power to jump into a dead body that is 100% dead with holes in its hands, limp body all, all together, the same power that jumps in that body and brings it to life lives in you. Not one that's kind of like it, Not one that looks like it or feels like it. The exact same spirit for all of us, for all time, is accessible to you. And Paul says that spirit lives in you. He goes on and says this, Therefore, dear brothers and sisters, you have no obligation to do what your sinful nature urges you to do. For if you live by its its dictates, you will die. But if through the power... Sorry, but through the power, I don't know if you heard that, but through the power of the Spirit, you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. Now, listen, here's the reality. There's a struggle in all of us. God understands it. He created it. But he also gives you a chance for victory. Victory over sin, victory over this deep-rooted selfishness that corrupts all of us. And I don't know if you caught it. There's only one way out for you. There's only one path to victory, and it's to die. Something has to die, and we get to choose what it's going to be. Is it going to be you, or is it going to be your sin? We have to choose what's put to death. And because of the power of the Spirit of God that is accessible to each of us and can live in us, we can live a victorious life over the sin that's in our life. So the question I have for us today is this. What selfishness, what sin do you need to surrender? Because often the path to victory, the path to putting to death the sin that is destroying you is to surrender. 
And our fear is this. Our fear is that on the other side of surrender is condemnation and guilt and shame. But the reality is on the other side of surrender is freedom and victory. And some of you today came in here bearing some deep shame and it's wounding you and you know it. And it might not all be your fault, but let's be honest, a lot of it is. And you get to choose what gets put to death today. You get to choose what you're going to surrender. And I just want you to hear someone say this today. God is relentlessly pursuing you, and there's a chance for you to have a victorious life in Jesus. What selfishness do you need to surrender? You know, listen, I'll be honest. A lot of times we think the gospel really ends there. But I've got great news It includes what I just said, but it doesn't end there. And in Acts, when Jesus is talking, he says this. He just got said, hey, there's power going to live within you because the spirit that I'm going to give you. And then he says this, and, what a great word. Like it didn't stop there. And you will be my witnesses telling people about me everywhere. In Jerusalem, throughout Judea, in Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. What I hope we recognize is Jesus saying this, I have something for you to receive, but it's not just something you receive. It's something you participate in so that the entire world can receive. Jesus isn't just inviting us to to have something. He's inviting us to be a part of something. And I'll be honest, as I see that word witnesses, some, some things in me just freak me out. Because I was raised in a church that, that maybe I thought that word meant I was like selling Jesus door to door with my two professional friends who were going to take off in a van. <laughs> but that's not what it means. Right here, this is what it means. It means that we have the power to be more than a spectator. We have the power to be more than a spectator. You know, last night I had the privilege to go to a Notre Dame game. All right, I'll say this, go Irish, all right? <laughs> An amazing experience. I never thought I'd say go Irish, but turns out if you get me tickets, I'll say it. So, you know, hey, <laughs> just, just an open door for anybody. You know, and it's so great to be a spectator at a sporting event like this where you're just, uh, and thousands of people are there and these guys are on the field and they're making great things happen. Unless you're Clemson, then you can't move the ball, right? Like, some great things are happening, and you have the whole thing. There's music, and there's dancing, and there's a band, and then there's a concession stand with hot dogs that I ain't paying $5 for, but still, there's so many things, and it's a great experience to go and spectate. But I think if you look, about, look at what it means to be a spectator, it's all about consuming things. You're taking things in. You're consuming the game. You're consuming the product. And truthfully, our life and our culture is wanting all of us to just be consumers. So many things are conditioning us to just consume more and more. What you're doing on social media, what you're watching on Netflix and Hulu, things are catered to you so you consume more. And if we're not careful, our whole lives become about being consumers. And here's the danger If church and if faith becomes about you consuming things, then your faith will be dead. And your Jesus doesn't need to be alive. And there's nothing compelling about living a life like that. And I'll be honest, just this past summer, we're challenged as what does it mean for our Mishawaka campus to love the city of Mishawaka? 
And there's a challenge in that. And we were talking with our leadership team and it came, we had an opportunity just to, to start going and uh, investing in being at the farmer's market on Sundays during church in the middle of Mishawaka. And as I presented this dream, we had a family. I'm going to shout out to the Tonkovich's Mishawaka. You know, I'm here. They, they stepped up and they're like, hey, we will skip church for a whole summer. Now, some of you are like, we do that anyway. Well, they didn't skip it to go be on a boat. They skipped church because they wanted to volunteer to go show up at the farmer's market in the middle of Mishawaka during church time to be present, wearing You Are Love shirts, having a You Are Love tent, giving away a bunch of You Are Love stuff just to say to the people of Mishawaka, we're here and we love you because there's a God who's pursuing you and we just need you to know about it. And we did that for weeks and weeks, and it was a challenge, and it was a sacrifice. And I remember that I went there one time after church, and there was a lady that came through, and we invited her to church like we always did. And she said, listen, it's so good that you're here for outreach. The church needs to do outreach. But she said, you know, I love my church. It's because it's there for me to be fed. And I'll be honest, and this is a challenging thing to talk about, but this is a slippery slope. If you've called yourself a Christian for a long time, we can get bought into the temptation that the church is here so that you can get fed. And if you're at a church and you don't feel fed, then you go try a different one until you find the perfect one that fits you perfectly. But listen, you have the power to be more than a spectator. And Jesus didn't stop at the first part of this verse. He said, and you will be my witnesses, as in everybody who's filled with the spirit of Jesus will be a participant in what I'm doing. Church is not about you being fed. We hope you get fed here. We hope you find, walk away feeling like you're a part of what God is doing. But I want to challenge you today to get in the game, to be a participant in the un unveiling works that Jesus is doing in the world. So my question for you is this, is are you settling for the sidelines? Because your faith will not grow if we settle for the sidelines. Your faith is meant to be something that's lived and experienced and participated in. So here's the reality. At Crossroads, we want to make it as easy for you as possible to join a team, to get in the game, and be a part of what God is doing. And one thing, we hope we make it easy, and we invite all of you to just join a team, be a part of what Crossroads is doing. There's so many of them. You don't have to have any talent. Look at me. They put me on stage. And listen, if it's not at Crossroads, you need to get in the game somewhere, in your family, at your work. You need to be participating in what God is doing because it's part of what it means to be in a relationship with Jesus. Now the story in Acts, it actually doesn't even stop there. He keeps going in verse 9. After saying this, he was taken up into a cloud while they were watching, and they could no longer see him. As the disciples strained to see Jesus rising into heaven, two white-robed men suddenly stood among them. Men of Galilee, they said. Why are you standing here staring into heaven? Jesus has been taken from you into heaven, but someday he will return from heaven in the same way you saw him go. You know, and here's the picture what I think a lot of people who don't go to church think of what it means to be in church. It's a bunch of guys standing around, staring into heaven, squinting. And if you just turn your head enough, you can see Jesus a little bit. And they got their hands up, and they're probably singing a song, not as good as it was today at all of our campuses. But in that moment, Jesus decided, hey, we're going to send somebody to stop what they're doing and shake them around a little bit. Said, hey, I don't know if you know this, quit standing around and looking up into heaven. 
Because Jesus is coming back and he's invited you to do something. He's invited you to live a life that's more than about what you can get. He's invited you to live a life that's more than what you can receive. He's invited you to live a life of power that's influencing the world around you and changing the world. You know, there's no greater thing we fear than living a life, getting to the end of our life and realizing that our life didn't matter. And that happens to people every single day. But in this moment, Jesus is inviting the disciples and inviting us to have the power to live a life of significance. A life that has more impact on people and eternity than you can imagine is at hand for all of those who call themselves followers of Jesus. And I don't know if you recognize this, but so many times we get it backwards and we work hard to feel like, hey, if I just, am I good enough? If I just check my spiritual pulse, if I'm just hoping I I don't do the wrong things, then maybe one day when I die, I get to go to heaven. And Jesus is like, listen, that's good. There's a room for you in heaven, but it's not just about things from earth going to heaven. Jesus says, I want you to bring heaven to earth. You know, in Matthew chapter six, Jesus taught us to pray. We often miss this. Look at what he says when he teaches us to pray. May your kingdom come. God, may your kingdom come. May your will be done, not mine. May your will be done. Hear this. On earth as it is in heaven. In other words, we want what's happening here on earth to be because of what's happening in heaven. It's heaven coming down to earth, not the other way around. And God is inviting you and giving you power to live a life of significance. I'm going to keep bragging on my campus because I'm on stage and you can't stop me. So uh, (laughs) this summer in Mishawaka, another thing we decided to do was, hey, listen, how do we let Mishawaka know that we love them? Well, we decided, hey, let's go to parks, uh, different random parks. They do it here at the Goshen campus called Picking Up the Park. What if we did that? We went to the middle of our city and we just started giving stuff away for free. So we picked a couple of parks right there in Mishawaka. We set up our You Are Love tent. We got an amazing group of volunteers together, and we cooked a bunch of hot dogs. I can still smell hot dogs sometimes. <laughs> we cooked a bunch of hot dogs, and we literally just gave them away to strangers. And most people looked at us like, what are you doing here? Isn't this a health code violation? And I was like, honestly, probably. I don't know. <laughs> but we just kept giving stuff away, and we gave away popsicles, and we met so many kids and families, and we invite them to church, and we love people. And after doing it for a couple of weeks, there's a family who'd come a couple of times, and she sat in her suburban behind her tent. I was a little worried. I honestly thought it was Chad trying to sell me another vacuum. <laughs> uh, and so uh, she came out of her car, though, and she's like, hey, why, why are you doing this? Why would you guys do this? It costs you money to be here? Cost you time to be here? Why would you do this? And I just was able to point to our sign that says you are loved, and I said, listen, that's more than something we say. That's who we want to be, because we believe there's a God who loves you, and he's relentlessly pursuing you, and guess what? In his pursuit of you, he sent us. And that lady heard that God loves her today, and I don't know if she had before. And I don't know if she heard it again. She might have gone and lived her own life, whatever, but she heard in that moment, heaven came to her experience, because the Mishawaka campus decided to get out of their comfort zone. And then I drove across town to our other town, other place, and I looked, and, and there was one of our, our people, and she was praying with a stranger in a pavilion in the middle of Central Park in Mishawaka. And, and literally the voice of Jesus was being spoken over a stranger. Why? Because we decided, you, Crossroads, decided that we're going to let people know that God's loving them, that we're going to live a life of significance. Guys, I don't know if you realize this, but just last week at our St. Pete campus, we threw a boo bash, and there were about 1,300 people on campus. Give it up for them. That's right. 
Listen, that's you. That's us. That's because we've decided. They decided. St. Pete leadership decided we want to live a life of significance. We want to bring heaven to earth. And for a couple hours last Sunday afternoon, people got to experience the generosity of people who call themselves Christians. And there were no strings attached. There were invitations, but it was just love on a grand scale. And Goshen Campus, did you guys know there were 6,000 people here last Sunday? Saturday. For the boobash you guys held last Saturday, same thing. We have the power to live a life of significance. And we are involved in bringing heaven to earth. My question for you is this. Are you bringing heaven to earth? Because I don't know if you know this. You have the power. You have the invitation. You have the permission to bring heaven to earth. And I hope at some level you get in the game and you join Crossroads in what we're doing. Because we're on a mission. And we're relentlessly pursuing the mission God gave us. And we want you to be a part of it. Because you're going to look and realize how good God is. But maybe it's not with crossroads. Maybe it's just in your own life, where you work, in your families. Maybe for you, it's just simply praying a prayer in a way you never thought you'd pray before. Maybe it's just in your own personal life, you decided, hey, maybe I can feed myself by looking into Scripture, diving into who God says He is on my own. You have the power to bring heaven to earth. Here's my last question. It's this. See, God is relentlessly pursuing you. I don't know if you heard that today. God's pursuing you because he created you. But because he's love, he gives you a choice and love must be chosen. But here's the beauty. At every point in a time while we're alive, we have an opportunity to choose. But because we live our lives and we're busy, we don't have very many moments to choose. But we're going to create a moment right now for you, for all of us at all of our campuses I want you to ask yourself this question. Will you go all in? Will you join us in what we're doing? Will you be a part of what God's doing in your life? And maybe for you, maybe for you that simply means you realize that you have the power to turn from your selfishness. That today you're going to put the sin in your life to death and you're going to claim victory. Maybe that's your choice today. Maybe some of you today, you realize you settled for the sidelines and you're going to get in the game. You're going to talk to someone today before you leave about joining a team. Maybe that's you. Maybe for others, you realize, hey, I want to I bring heaven to earth in my families, in my workplace. I want to do something about it. And finally, maybe the most important for all is maybe there's something going on in your heart right now and you realize that the God who's pursuing you is at your front door. And he's knocking and he says, hey, listen, I don't know if you know this, Jesus knocks and he's inviting, he wants you to invite him in and we have a chance to do that today. So here across all of our campuses, we're going to read a prayer. We do it every week because we want you to know that every time you invite someone to Crossroads, they have a chance to say yes to Jesus. And so if you were invited today, here's your moment to choose, to choose Jesus by saying yes. So let's pray this prayer together. It says this, Jesus, I need you. I believe you are the savior of the world, that you gave your life to forgive my sins, and that God raised you from the grave so that I could have eternal life. Thank you for loving me. I am saying yes to you, Jesus. Come into my life. I will follow you. Amen. Amen. Can we get excited about new life across all of our campuses today? Here's the reality right here in our Goshen campus. I just want to speak directly to you. I mean, if you said that prayer, we want to help you. 
we're a family. We do this together. Faith isn't meant to be lived alone. And so we have people here. Come talk to Pastor Michelle. It's in the corner. I'll be available over here if you just need someone to pray with you. But let's just lean into Jesus. As we sing the song, let's just recognize that God is here with you. Let me say a prayer for you. Jesus, oh, we do believe that you are here and you are good. And God, just as you call us, man, sometimes you call us the things that make us uncomfortable. But there's freedom on the other side of surrender, God. There's freedom. And, and sometimes it's so scary to try to put some things to death. But I think many of us realize there's something in our life that needs to die. And we have the power of victory right now in this moment. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us, for pursuing us, for never giving up on me. You never give up on us, Jesus, and I'm grateful. May we choose you this morning. In your name we pray. Amen. Now let's stand and worship together and respond.